According to Adobe's Future of Time research, most enterprise workers spend too much time on tasks that get in the way of doing their jobs effectively. And they're hungry for technology to unlock new choices for how they use their time to work, learn, and play. That's why it's critical to give employees modern tools to collaborate seamlessly, no matter where the team is or what device they're using. Hello. I'm Martin Veach, contributing editor for Foundry and CIO.com, and the host of the New Work podcast. On today's episode, we'll explore the foundational IT components required to meet the changing expectations and diverse work styles of a multi-generational workforce. Those components include cloud platforms, technologies, and tools that enable more personalized experiences and anytime, anywhere access to resources. In part one of our two-part episode, I speak with Deloitte Consulting's David Linthicum, an expert in all things cloud, about the shift to hybrid work and the vital role of cloud in keeping a diverse workforce connected. In part two, I'll be joined by Adobe CIO Cynthia Stoddard, who will talk about Adobe's own journey in the shift to hybrid work, the impact on Adobe's technology stack, and the most important KPI for supporting a hybrid workforce. Stick around for both parts. I promise you'll be glad you did. Joining me now is David Linthicup. David is the Chief Cloud Strategy Officer for Deloitte Consulting LLP. And in this role, David's responsible for building innovative technologies that help clients operate more efficiently while delivering strategies that enable them to disrupt their markets. Uh, David is widely respected as a visionary in cloud computing. He was even recently named the number one cloud influencer in a report by Apollo Research. So I guess congratulations as well. Welcome, David. Hey, great. Great great to be here. And so ha a good morning to me and a good afternoon to you. Absolutely. Hands across good the evening. ocean. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> near enough. Um, so, David, let me start by asking, uh, since it's so timely, what lessons did CIOs and business executives learn from the pandemic and the shift to remote work? And what should they be carrying forward in this new world of hybrid work? And by the way, don't be shy of throwing in what they may be needing to do differently. Yeah, the big thing is it's okay to be it's it's a needed necessity to be agile and flexible. Your ability to adapt to these sorts of things and uh, and shift the workforce and even shift the cultures. So, what I saw, you know, in the first six months of the pandemic, when everybody's working at home and going through the lockdowns, is is kind of sheer panic and the fact that uh, we had to support a remote workforce and therefore VPNs had to be there. We had to have take home computers for people that didn't have the necessary equipment at home. And also we found out that uh, in many instances, having an enterprise data center was not a good thing because if you were in a quarantine area, in many instances, they couldn't get in there to fix things uh, for a few weeks and they were out of business uh, if something went down. And so suddenly the companies that had flexibility, the ability to adapt to different kinds of technology that could change quickly, cloud computing being the main culprit there, um, did, a, did a ton better. And so we saw cloud usage go up. We saw... Uh, people not necessarily move to cloud as fast as they could, but start moving in, in a faster pace than they were just a month before. 
And really, businesses kind of learned and were hit pretty hard if they didn't have the ability to change around these sort of crises. And I, I think that, uh, you know, that was a core thing that they learned. If anything that they can do better, it's really kind of understanding you need to build for change. So you need to build an architecture, you need to build your core infrastructure to allow it to change fairly quickly. That could be around a crisis, but in many instances, a normal course of business, new business opportunities, downturns, which we may be going through now. All these things are really not planned for, but need to be adjusted that allow the business to optimize or be as optimal as possible, you know, during these changing environments. Yeah, I mean, we also cloud uh, right to the fore, didn't we, uh, over these last several years. But uh, how would you describe, if it's possible to do so, the ideal work environment for a hybrid workforce? It would be the ability to have someone who can work anywhere at any time and on any device. And I know that sounds like a high bar because it's kind of scary that we have the you bring your own device kind of thing. Uh, but the reality is people want to work where they want to work. Uh, sometimes that could be in a shared workspace in their neighborhood, which a lot of them are popping up now. They're popping up around me. In other words, where you can you know, rent an office by the hour um, and doing so because it may not be... Uh, as productive to work at home, uh, personal situations, things like that. And we'd rather not drive the 30 miles into the, um, you know, into the, you know, into the office. So it's uh, really kind of setting up the security infrastructure, the communication infrastructure, your ability to operate in a variety of different environments, whether it's hotels, Starbucks, whatever, where people can be produ productive wherever they want to sit down and work wherever they want to sit down. And so looking back, we had a lot of these companies that were born in the cloud companies that really kind of never had an enterprise data center. Uh, and, you know, now they're billion dollar companies. Those are the ones who really kind of thrived during the pandemic or moving, transitioning to a remote workforce because they were already there where they're providing flexibility where anybody could work from anywhere, anywhere in the world. You, you live where you want to work, th things like that. And it worked out very well for them. And certainly they didn't see the reduction in headcount that I think other companies saw. And now that we're moving back into the office, we're finding that those sorts of cultures and those sorts of infrastructures that are set up are going to be the more productive. They're going to bring more benefits and more profit back to the company. Certainly they have a lower, uh, lower carbon footprint because we're not requiring that people use an office, not requiring that they hop in a car every day and drive 30 miles into the office. Mm -hmm. And getting to a world that's going to be more friendly to the information worker, because not everybody can do this. Um, and, you know, really kind of take the company to the next level. So out of that, you have better retention, you have better innovation, uh, and you have a much better overall healthier company that's able to kind of move into the next 20 years. Yeah, we touched on it earlier. We, we said we know that the cloud uh, played a vital role in keeping diverse uh, workforces connected and continues to do so. But let's drill down on that a little bit, if you will. What specific benefits do cloud apps and services bring to help individuals be more productive or to help them collaborate more effectively across their teams? Yeah, it's the ability to have virtual virtual systems that are out there and being maintained by other people. Uh, that's the big one. So in other words, if I have a remote workforce, the last thing I want to do is to maintain a team within a data center that's maintaining equipment that I need to maintain to run my business. And so we're outsourcing that to people who are better equipped to deal with it. So, and if you look, by the way, look at the outages, you know, it's typically going to be human error that's caused by, uh, caused by an enterprise employee, not necessarily a cloud provider, a misconfigurations, things like that. So it provides something that's more reliable and durable. Uh, and so a lot of people are holding their breath when the pandemic hit and really people, you know, kind of hit that 30%, 40% uh, migration point within cloud. 
as to its ability to kind of fulfill the promises and supporting remote workforce and something that's scalable, things like that. It worked perfectly fine. And if you look at it, the enterprises were kind of relieved the fact that they weren't responsible for developing the infrastructure. So again, we get back into our ability to change and our ability to change will mean lots of heavy lifting and unnatural acts that are done to make this infrastructure morph around these environments. It's much better to give that to somebody else than for, you know, you to do it yourself. So we got into the uh, we got into the trust model where we're going to trust other people to maintain core infrastructure and maintain core applications, core data sets, things like that. And again, providing complete flexibility in where people want to work. But also, and this is probably the most important thing, your ability to extend governance and security, you know, down to these places anywhere that works, setting up the demarcation lines and setting up the security systems where you're actually going to have improved security if people are working at home than you did with a traditional on-premise model. And that was kind of unheard of. But the reality is there's better security in the cloud than there is with the traditional on-premise systems, best because the innovation and the spending is going in that direction. So people found that leveraging those models, leveraging the good governance systems, leveraging the operational benefits, uh, it really kind of brought their, you know, brought their technologies to the next level. So cloud provided those capabilities that weren't present in traditional systems that normally exist on-premises. Yeah, it's been such a win-win for the the whole cloud movement. I, I wanted to ask you though about uh, something a little bit adjacent to that: return on investment. Now, you're a prolific writer on, on issues relating to cloud and, and the emerging hybrid working uh, workplaces. Uh, you've written and spoken a lot about the importance of measuring the ROI of cloud investments. Any suggestions as to how CIOs should track cloud ROI specific to hybrid work? Yeah, number one is get a FinOps program in place. Uh, most people don't have them, or they have them in a very in a, in a very meek state. So, in other words, they're they're tracking costs natively on the particular cloud provider and spreadsheets. And if you're dealing with a multi-cloud world, which is typically what we're dealing with now, so you have a couple of public cloud providers, uh, private clouds, edge systems, uh, edge clouds that are, you know, in there in essence trying to provide value into the business. You need to monitor those things to the nth degree. In other words, not only monitor them in terms of uh, making sure you're not getting billed for something that you're not using, but your ability to optimize those systems. And so what we found out is that, and this is kind of the recent studies, the ROI wasn't there for cloud computing when we looked at it. So in other words, we spent more on cloud computing than we did with some of the on-premise traditional systems. But if you looked mm -hmm. at each of those problem domains, the reality, there was no discipline, there was no accountability in place, and there's no FinOps program in place. So in essence, they were allowing spending, which is fairly easy to do in the cloud. I can you know, allocate, you know, allocate 10, pet, I, I can allocate a petabyte of storage, you know, in a matter of minutes with a credit card or, or the company's credit card and not necessarily monitoring the utilization of those systems and which ones are returning back to the business. Now we're getting to the discipline of it, very much running cloud computing like we should have been from the beginning. So in other words, we have core accountability infrastructure, we're monitoring, we're optimizing, and we're continuously improving the utilization of the systems. And we're not only tracking our ability to make sure that we're not getting billed for something we didn't use, you know, the operational cost monitoring, things like that, but how much value is actually being returned to the business and looking at that as kind of the true ROI. So it's one thing to save operational savings. Um, you're going to come to cloud for operational savings, but you're going to stay for the agility and your ability to provide a business benefit that comes back to the company that way. And now that people are looking at it in a different way, the metrics are changing, but the big thing is we're getting serious about monitoring these costs and making sure we're optimizing these systems to return as much value as they can back to the business.
Yeah, there's going to be some really interesting uh, case studies about CFOs and CIOs working together on, on ROI coming up, I'm sure. Um, let me ask you just one more. Uh, project out, if you will. What does the new work look like a year from now for the companies and also for the leadership teams that are doing it right? I think I, I think it is going to be kind of a uh, of a uh, who's doing it right and who's not doing it right. I think that um, you know calling people back to the office uh, for no reason other than the fact that you're you, you want to see them in the office probably not such a good idea from right. a retention point of view and also you know utilization of the workforce and also uh, you know impact on the planet in terms of you know carbon emissions. People are going to drive and you know get back into the normal habits. Companies a year from now, you know, those who provide the ultimate and flexibility where they don't care where anybody works, everything's MBO, management by objective, uh, you're measured in how your performance is set is, uh, is based on how it works within a peer-to-peer environment. The ability to collaborate and communicate in a way that's going to be better uh, than ever existed if people exist in the physical building. I was cracking me up how people would uh, have to go into a, the same building every day, but almost never communicate one to another. You know, they were maybe one, a meeting once a week where now that people have chat ops and uh, Slack and they're collaborating in real time and working systems in real time and getting very much using this technology, this collaboration technology and this cloud-based technology as a force multiplier to take things to the next level. So you think about it, the real value that's gonna be built within enterprises moving forward is gonna be innovative value. Your ability to build something unique in the marketplace that your competitors don't have. And it doesn't matter if you're a pharmaceutical company or a manufacturing company or whatever, if you're able to do that better, you're able to provide the digital transformation that's able to provide a better and more unique experience to the customers, which means your your business is gonna be more valued than the, uh, than the competitors that are doing basically the same thing. That's where the people are going to win the game. So I think we're going to see over the next 10 years, massive normalization in the market where those who are information providers and able to leverage cloud computing and other technologies, the true force multiplier to be an innovator in their particular areas, not necessarily doing much differently, but just being a much more innovative uh, player in the system and able to provide unique value that way are the ones that are going to end up winning the game. And almost to a company, those are going to be very flexible, born in the cloud companies that provide their employees with the maximum amount of resources that they need and freedom that they need to be as innovative and creative as they can, because that's really how you win this game. Absolutely, David. Uh, David, I really want to thank you for your time. It's really been illuminating and insightful. David Lederscombe, thank you so much. Thank you. Stay tuned for part two of our episode with Adobe CIO Cynthia Studdard. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Adobe and Microsoft. To dig deeper into the role of the CIO in the evolving world of work, visit thenewwork.cio.com. I'm pleased to welcome Cynthia Stoddard, Senior Vice President and Chief Information Officer of Adobe. Now, as CIO, Cindy oversees Adobe's global information technology and cloud operations teams. In her leadership role, Cindy spearheads a global strategy for delivering services and operations that form Adobe's mission-critical backbone. She's got 25-plus years of business experience and IT expertise, leading large global organizations, including Adobe, of course, but also NetApp, Safeway, and APL Limited, 
in supply chain, retail, and technology development. Welcome, Cindy. Thank you for having me, Martin. Glad to be here. Oh, me too. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. Right, let me start off with the first question. As a CIO, I'm sure you've heard this question before. What lessons did you learn from the sudden shift to remote work back in that spring of 2020? Yes, I, I have heard that question before. <laughs> you know, every time I think about it, I try to think of you know new lessons learned. I think about Adobe, employee experience has always been a critical aspect of business success. But the pandemic, I think the pandemic actually underscored the importance of staying close to employees and actually underscored the importance of employees having really good collaboration tools, tools that they could use to do their work. At Adobe, our organization, the shift to remote work went smoothly um, because we had uh, an ongoing dedication to creating positive employee experiences. We used personas. We allowed our tools and processes to be geared towards the people and their jobs and not to a one-size-fits-all. And I think that was really some of the key to how we were able to click over so seamlessly is people could use their tools and they were geared to the work that they had. So equipping the workforce for uh, virtual collaboration, um, they had the right tools and it helped us succeed in the right way. Also, I think when I think back um, that weekend when we clicked over to uh, work from home, there was a tremendous amount of teamwork teamwork to get knowledge articles up up and running to make sure that we were able to service computers, you know, laptops if we needed to, all the things that you took for granted while you were in the office, but had to figure out, you know, over a week and how you were going to do do remotely. So the teamwork and the people aspect, I think, was um, was a big learning. It wasn't just about technology. It was about bringing people together from all different kinds of disciplines, the technology, communication, um, creativity. And then, yeah, we had a, a great uh, switch over to a hybrid workforce. Yeah. And then fast forward uh, a few years and here we are. Uh, somehow we made it through and we're in this midst of a, a new and still emerging, I guess, world of what a lot of us are calling hybrid work. Um, now, everyone's got a different idea, a different definition here, Cynthia. What's your philosophy uh, regarding this new work model and how is it impacting your own IT strategy at Adobe? Yes, so um, hybrid, yeah, we, we hear it all over. I'm sure you, you hear it as well. Um, but at Adobe, we believe a flexible hybrid model is the, really the new way to foster innovation, culture, and continuous growth and the development of our employees. So that's kind of that's kind of the backdrop. We um, think about hybrid as you know, 50% in the office, 50% at home, and have tried to encourage employees to actually look at the type of work that they're doing, and then be more planful of it. So if you're going to have a heads down, you know, productivity, I'm a I'm a coder, or I'm going to work on a paper, or whatever. Do it from home, right? Because that's that you'll have the uninterrupted time. But if you have activities that entail um, real collaboration, you know, some serious whiteboarding where you really need to be close to individuals in order to share, you know, perhaps some innovative ideas, 
If you're doing mentoring, coaching, if you're bringing your team together, plan those days for the office, right? Plan those days to be there and, and interact. And you say, what's, you know, what's our philosophy and how is it impacting our IT strategy? We need the tooling in order to be successful in both, both worlds. You know, we need the tooling to uh, enable the hybrid worker in order to continue to be productive. But we also need the tooling in order to foster that idea and collaboration, you know, within the office. You know, different ways of looking at how we interact together, actually design of the facilities as well. You know, within my organization, we've always said that we want to have cloud-like characteristics in our DNA meaning that we're easy to work with and that we, you know, that we, you know, structure what we do in a self-service way. And, you know, this cloud-like mindset, you know, helps us think about things in a different way and think about how we can enable the organization, you know, not to wait in an IT line, but actually to work in a different way with different tools and be creative. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Adobe was one of the first companies to really embrace the cloud and change its business model accordingly. Um, but I'm sure you're seeing challenges also. So what I wanted to ask you was, what, what are the major challenges you've seen in supporting a hybrid workforce? And also, how are you addressing those challenges to create better, more consistent collaboration and productivity experiences for all your employees? I would say that, first of all, you know, as a CIO, we sit at the nexus of the company's transformation and innovation efforts. So we, need, we have that unique horizontal view. We can influence the organization. And this is very critical, especially in a hybrid, hybrid environment. I would say that what is different, the changing expectations, is the employees have higher expectations of what work environment should be now after the pandemic. People have become accustomed to really personalized tooling at their at their fingertips in their home office. And the expectation is is when we go to the office, we will actually have the same experience or better. Within my organization, I would say that another change in expectation is HR and IT have come together very closely. I mean, we've always been close. We've always worked together very well. But I think over the past 20 months, it's become even more important for IT and HR to have a very strong relationship, all the way from, you know, facilities design to onboarding employees to finding information and putting all those tools so that, so that you can have them at your fingertips wherever you are in the world. I have in my organization what I call a digital workplace experience group, and they collaborate closely with HR and they focus on employee experience. I've taken all the pieces of technology and process that touch the employee and put it in one group. We did this pre-pandemic and we created this team. I created this team you know, with the thought of looking at employee journeys, looking at personas, and making sure that the tools were geared towards our employees. At Adobe, you know, we give our customers wonderful experiences to deal with their customers. And I feel very strongly that we should be doing the same with our employees. And I would say that, you know, also, you know, we've standardized on some of the Microsoft tools, which has been really great for people because now they can 
share documents, they can post chat, they can do all of this and have have records of them, you know, uh, without having to manually create all these different, you know, meeting notes and things like that. So we're actively, we're always actively working to look at new initiatives, um, new ways of collaboration, new tools to bring to the table to try to, um, you know, try to make it better for people. Last year in 2021, we launched uh, Adobe Life, which is a smart global campus mobile app and platform. And our original intention, just to share it, was uh, pre-pandemic to find conference rooms in the building and know how to reserve it. But it totally evolved to helping people stay productive, connected, and informed throughout their workday, wherever they are. Either they're, you know, their workday in the office, their workday at, at home. I mean, the app really allows people to be more intentional and, and planful in their work from anywhere, you know, between their personal and uh, professional lives. It's really a way to kind of modernize some of the communication and have employees feel like they're in control of what they need to do. So, you know, going forward, I think what we're looking at also is more automation, trying to um, remove some of the mundane type tasks that people do. So, you know, really looking at data, making smart decisions, you know, transparent communications and really bringing that self-service and mobile first more to life within the organization. I wanted to pick you up on one of the, the points uh, uh, you made earlier about the CIO's role and, and, and blending in with other departments within the organization. And I think HR is particularly interesting there. So I want to ask you, what do you see as the foundational uh, IT components today that are required to meet the changing expectations and the diverse work styles, of course, of what is obviously a multi-generational workforce. And also, how has your tech stack evolved from what you had in place a few years ago to try and meet that need? Yeah, that's a, that's a, a great question. So um, multi-generational workforce, absolutely, we need different tools. And I think that's where our persona-based you know, mindset and how we operate has really helped out because we're able to gear different tools. I mean, we have standardized, you know, uh, laptops and things like that, uh, but you can select based on whether you're a developer, based on whether you're in finance or technology, IT, you can select your tools. You can select what you want on your desktop. I think the, um, you know, foundationally, if you think about tooling, uh, one of the studies that Adobe did is called the Adobe Future of Time Research. It found that 70% of workers really rely on digital tools for peace of mind and staying productive, especially when they have trouble focusing. I have to say for myself, I, d I depend on my tools. I couldn't do my job without the tools that I have at my fingertips. So if you, if you think about that, I think that understanding the types of tools that you need for the different personas in your organization is, is really, really important. How tools have evolved, um, I would say in some cases we've standardized more. So, you know, we've always been a Microsoft shop, you know, with Office 365, but we standardized on Teams in the middle of the pandemic. So we switched over the whole company to Teams. And that brought to life a lot of different capabilities that were separate before, right? So it, it gave you that ease, ease of use and more productivity. 
But then also we have found that depending on your persona, you might need a certain type of you know, whiteboarding tool or a certain way to store content or things like that. So it's definitely not one size fits all, um, but I would say we've evolved with a bit of standardization and then that, you know, that differentiation to meet the needs of the different personas that we have. And the other thing we really look at is what do our employees say? You know, we take that very seriously. So our employee surveys, we look at their satisfaction. We want to know what they think about the tooling, what they think about the service they're getting from, you know, from my organization. And that's how we really evolve. I mean, we really take that persona view. We look at the employee journey through their life cycle. And then we, we listen to their voices and we bring it all together to really understand what their expectations are and what we need to do. Yeah, that certainly sounds like a, a KPI in its own right. And I was going to say to you, how are you measuring your team's progress in supporting this new workplace? Is, is it really all about happy uh, employees? It's, it's absolutely about happy employees. It's what they think. Can they do their jobs? Um, you know, we when we look at new technology, I'll, I'll share this. We have um, in one of our buildings in San Jose what we call Lab 82. It's named after the year Adobe was born. You know, innovation can come from anywhere. And that's where we bring new technologies in to experiment and see how people would react and use them in the workplace before we actually deploy them. And then we've expanded this to have the garage, which is, you know, in another building. Uh, so it's a little bit remote uh, and it's intended to really uh, replicate a hybrid workplace. So we can, again, we can, we can do hybrid, we can do on, you know, working in the office on premise. We don't do that just as a technology group. We include people from our engineering teams. We have a group that is, you know, participating with us on, you know, how would they like to collaborate both in the office and outside of the office to build some of Adobe's products. So, yeah, it's it's the voice of the employee. It's the ratings that we get in our employee surveys. And, you know, it's it's talking to people and hearing what they think. So that's how we really look at KPIs. Excellent. Let me ask you just one more, and it's sort of one of those $64,000 questions, uh, but on the good side, you can't really be wrong because it's about the future. How do you see the world of work evolving from here? We've already had this big shock and big change, uh, but how should CIOs who are tuned in this podcast prepare for uncertainty and whatever it is that comes next? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I would say my first piece of advice to CIOs is don't get comfortable, right? The world is changing. Technology is changing. So absolutely, you know, stay on your toes and, you know, stay in the market and understand the type of tooling that is emerging because the hybrid uh, workplace is here to stay. We don't know what we will be faced, you know, in the future by, you know, but we need to stay in tune with different types of technology so we can continue to enhance the employee experience. We need to look at, you know, taking out those mundane tasks. So I would say that, you know, robotic process automation, RPA, you know, AI, ML, these are all important technologies to look at 
and be aware of how you can use them in different use cases and then be creative, you know, get out into the business and see how people are doing the work so that you can make it better. We can make it better as technologists. So bring those ideas to the table. So, you know, get out into different technology groups, meet with your strategic vendors, understand what product roadmaps are going to be, and then bring those ideas back to the table. And don't get comfortable because the world is ever changing. That's a great point to end on, uh, Cindy. It's been a real pleasure and I really appreciate hearing your insights. Well, thank you. Great insights today from two industry veterans about IT's role in the new world of work. And also some important lessons for CIOs planning for whatever comes next. For new episodes featuring some amazing guests, along with other resources on this important topic, visit thenewwork.cio.com. For CIO Adobe and Microsoft, I'm Martin Veach. Thanks so much for being here. This podcast has been produced by IDG Communications Incorporated, doing business at Foundry in association with its sponsors, Adobe and Microsoft.